Welcome to another episode of the Frankie Lee Podcast. Our mission, to empower others to break patterns, flip perspectives, so that together we have clarity, direction, and success way beyond what we ever previously thought possible. Here's your host, Frankie Lee. First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favor and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremover.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremover.com. Welcome back to the Frankie Lee podcast. Today, guys, we are going into the Bitcoin space. This is one I've been really excited and hyped to bring to you. Today, I've got Michael Hudson on the podcast. He is the founder of BitStocks and Gravity. Uh, Gravity are in the NFT space in the UK. Welcome to the podcast, my man. Uh, pleasure, brother. Appreciate you having me on. Nah, it's good. It's good. It's good to get you out of bed early in the morning. You know what I mean? I know it's not too early. It's all right. It's all right. It's nine o'clock, so I can't moan. <laughs> yeah, mate. I, th- I think the best place, or the, the kind of place I wanted to start with you is I just wanted to kind of get give the audience a bit of an insight into your journey on how you came into the Bitcoin space in, in, in the first instance, because I think that's, you came in, it came into it really early doors. And I wanted to kind of understand how you found Bitcoin and how you got into it. Yeah, sure. So, um, I was working in the investment world. Um, but my background is very deep in tech. Like I set my first tech company when I was 16 years old. Uh, built it up to earning about seven, eight grand a month when I was 18, uh, still going to college. Dropped out of college twice. Uh, went bankrupt when I was like 20. Um, pretty much lived in China. I had a business out in China when I was 19. Um, then credit crunch happened, lost everything, came back to the UK, my tail between my legs. Um, and, but the thing with me is I've always been someone who has enabled enough sovereignty where I could just learn whatever I want to learn based on my passion. So it allowed me to very much stay in the uh, fringe of the tech world. And also going through bankruptcy, it actually had me with a very deep fixation and fascination about money, money creation, um, the stresses of being under debt at such a young age. And then you go through a bankruptcy process, it gets wiped away. Um, it got me curious. So I had a very like deep fascination with money, uh, why money has so much control and influence over human behavior uh, and action. And I wanted to get to the source of what money truly is, um, how it's created, how it's brought into existence, uh, the influence it has, study the history, uh, study world affairs, governments, political affairs. So in, in regard to obviously money, money created, and you're saying that you obviously you were learning how money was created in by, by the substance of it of it not coming from not being real so to speak well every pound dollar and yen in circulation is owed to somebody by somebody so all money is is debt if all debts were paid off there would be no money so then i studied okay well money really truly is a language it it's a way that allows human beings to communicate economic value right? and then there's uh metrics as to how you price that and quantify that right so human beings time labor 
times by their skill set determines the rate of value that is put on you as uh, an employer or employee, right? So if someone has a high skill set um, and I want to hire them from a job, I might pay them $100,000 a year. Right? If someone doesn't have the same skill set as an individual, but still applying for the same job role, I might pay you $70,000 uh, a year. The calculation I'm doing as an employer is I'm assuming that based on that skill set, you'll be able to complete more laborsome tasks in a shorter amount of time. So money is a measurement and it's the way that we communicate. And we've got 190 plus different ways of how we communicate on the planet. The dominant frequencies, so the dominant tongues is USD, GBP, Euro, and obviously Chinese Yuan, Japanese Yuan, right? So these are very dominant frequencies, but you have no ownership over which frequency you inherit. It is the geographical lottery of birth, right? So what I find interesting is, okay, if money's a measurement, um, it's measuring effectively time and time itself is also a measurement, which measures energy. So there's this relationship between skill, labor, that gives us economic pricing. Now, if that economic pricing uh, isn't fair, also, it influences human behavior. For instance, I'm in the UK, relatively high tax jurisdiction. Government well, I know it really yeah. well. <laughs> so, so Boris Johnson wants pretty much all of my money, and he's still not going to comb his hair if he gets it. Um, so when, when we get into positions of wealth, um, we then look for avenues as where we can do the same amount of labor input, but get more Turn for, for our time. So I might move to Dubai because Dubai is a zero tax jurisdiction. I'm going to have the same exact role and job and, and energy input as I do in the UK, but I'm getting more return for that, for that energy input, right? So I was really fascinated by these relationships. So when Bitcoin uh, was put on my desk, it's actually put on my desk by my number two hire now. Um, at, at Bitstocks, so someone that's been with us pretty much since the beginning. Um, he is a little nerd himself, uh, and he came into my office uh, at the time. So I was about 23, uh, 23, 24. Um, I'm 34 now. So he came into my office talking to me about we need to turn all the computers to mine Bitcoin. So and You're thinking this kid's crazy. Yeah, the thing with me is on the surface, uh, I might not look like I'm paying any form of attention, but if it if it if a light bulb goes off, I will look into it. Okay. So as soon as he like buggered him out my office, uh, and then I just started looking into it, and then when I started looking into it, it, it hit me immediately that holy shit! Not only is this a potentially cool digital asset, this is a ledger that can track all interactions and actually has the potential that if it works, humanity becomes honest. You can't get away with what's on the ledger. Exactly, right? And also the ledger, what it does is it orders all of the interactions in a chronological time order. So what it really is, is a time-keeping ledger. So time is the order in all chaos. It's the connector of everything. 
So this as a technology that allows us to utilize it as a global database and dump on it and it list all the ways in which we dumped on it in the order in which it happened as an audit trail of whatever we want to attach to it, that's incredibly powerful. I was skeptical about how governments will perceive this, but also my say distaste for how, I guess, government structures are influencing and enforcing uh, their powers around the world. I wasn't in resonance with this. I did like, I guess, initially, the anarchistic undertone of what Bitcoin proposed as a tech. So you wanted to be that kind of outlier person that, that kind of wanted yeah. to separate themselves from the government and, and how they're running the economy predicated on the fact that they're printing cash to, to change markets and change narratives. But then, um, so the way that I started off with, with BitStocks is I set it up as an investment desk. We were actually the first private uh, management investment desk specializing in Bitcoin. Um, and what we was doing, it was, was advising private retail investors. They can invest like five grand into Bitcoin. Back then, Bitcoin was like $300. Um, and I was giving presentations on Bitcoin and saying that Bitcoin is going to be worth uh, 20K, 30K over uh, a five to seven year time horizon. Um, I was pretty much bang on in terms of that, in terms of like when it happened. Um, but the, so the revenue model we had was I would take 25% of the profits of my clients' gains. So I only would make money by making my clients money. Uh, so I, I was doing that for about three years. Um, and then I had an epiphany moment myself. And I realized this anarchistic undertone is actually the issue uh, in the space. And ironically, the thing, uh, the thing that we the thing that we need is, is a bank. Uh, in order for this to work properly at scale and to be palatable for the metaverse. I already started having talks about the metaverse um, back in 2017. Um, I knew that the whole space has got it wrong. Uh, effectively. It's a very bold statement. Um, so bold that I knew that whatever idea I was conjuring up, I was going to have to privately back myself. Uh, and that's what became uh, gravity. And, and gravity is the, N- the NFT play that you now have on the, on, on, on the back of it. So... Gravity is a financial ecosystem for the metaverse. Um, so it, it, there's three components to it. You, you've got gravity, money, which is like Monzo or Revolut, but on the blockchain, uh, and which will enable micropayments, true micropayments. Uh, and then you've got the NFT exchange uh, as well, and that allows creatives to create um, and gamify and monetize their communities. And then there's one more component that I haven't announced or spoken about publicly, um, but it is really like the killer feature that connects everything together. Tell us now. You got to tell right. us. You got. You got to tell us the killer feature. My, my, team, my, my team would kill me. Uh, but what it will do is it will resolve some of the bigger issues in the NFT space, such as money laundering. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, that, that that that's that's essentially what the NFT space has has, has been now, and. Uh, what a lot of people don't understand about the NFT space, and I've been in the NFT space for like the last 12 months, and what I've seen is the fact of like when people, pe- pe- they'll launch this 10,000 or 7,000 collection of images, whatever they're doing, and then, and then they'll tell you that one sold for this and one sold for that, and all that essentially is, is people swapping money in wallets to, to buy the NFT and then and sell it back. And it's all just—it's all just a—it's just all one big con. Half half the inflated prices of these NFTs that sell for hundreds of Ethereum aren't actually being sold. They're just actually—do you, do you know what I'm saying? They're just transferring money between one to the other. And it's just—I'm—you I'm, can probably explain how that happens better than me. But I'm just trying to put it in layman's terms. But 
No, you're back on. You're back on. Um, and it gives the perception to an unassuming community um, that these are genuine reflections of value. Uh, when when they're not, they're they're being pumped up. They're being highly manipulated, highly uh, say gamified uh, in a negative way on the investment side. And that's been a continuation, really, from the ICO era um, to now DeFi as well as uh, NFTs. And these are just like the immaturities in in the space. So and you can take it with two two different sides. Like on the one side. Yeah, it definitely needs to be curved. It needs to be controlled. Uh, we need to start putting an aim of KYC checkpoints. Uh, we, need to, we need to start getting this ready and palatable truly for mainstream where everyone can interact with it. Businesses are interacting with it. Kids are interacting with it. Um, so we need to clean it up. But on the other side, um, you do need to have, uh, no pun intended, a sandbox that allows entrepreneurs to play in um, because it's all very new. Um, how many guys are out there um, checking in with lawyers and the regulators before they create a cool idea? Um, not doing that. So it's been massively uh, overrun by just people trying to be creative uh, and, and jump into this world, not really understanding that this, this sandbox isn't going to be like that forever. Yeah, um, we're, seeing the so we're seeing the first version of something that's going to be way bigger. I mean, when I look at NFTs, I see like this is going to be a great way for me to exchange, to sell my car in the future, the, the, a great way for me to sell my home or to transfer the deeds of, of land over because they could all be held as an NFT, right? And then, and then you could transfer the NFT like, like in lightning seconds rather than having to go to, you know, the land registry in the UK or something like that. Yeah. And in order to achieve these things um, and to get government bodies or big businesses and corporates to integrate NFT technology at that scale, you have to be reliably cheap, not just cheap, not just cheap one day and then you're 10x more expensive another day. You have to be reliably cheap. You have to have enough bandwidth to ensure that the queuing problem is never going to happen uh, on your network. So then that influences the fees. You've got a genuinely enable them to enforce their legal property rights over the assets they're creating. Meaning that if you have an NFT on Ethereum and that NFT is hosted on the independent server and the NFT is just pointing to the server, say, here's the file over here. That's what the $70 million people is. That actually is not legally uh, secure because you've promised somebody that they have a, a asset that is immutable because it's on the blockchain but if that company server goes down, you've lost your seventy million dollar people. So, so this, so this is this is one of the things that I was discovering about Ethereum. I kind of went down the rabbit hole of Ethereum, trying to trying to look at it in comparison to Bitcoin, and, and there were and, and everyone was saying about the network effect of how Ethereum's outpacing the growth of Bitcoin. But when I was which is, which is true, right? But when I, when when I was looking into Ethereum, isn't some of Ethereum hosted on AWS servers? Like so, so, some parts of it. So Ethereum's whole play is to be um, a virtual machine, the world's virtual machine, the world's computer to process all the world's transactions. It's a great dream, um, but if you can only process 30 transactions per second for the whole world, that's only 2.1 million a day. So what computer is useful if it can only do 2.1 uh, uh, million instructions uh, a day. So as a plumbing system, 
that the world then needs to go off and build cities on top of. It's very unreliable. So what then's happened is other entrepreneurs see that as an opportunity to optimize a layer above it uh, so that instead of say, you're trying to compete for those 30 transactions, this platform might let you do a thousand transactions uh, a second, right? Uh, but this platform could bundle a thousand transactions and feed it into the underlying in one. So now I've got a thousand to one, right? But now you're stacking a shit sandwich on top of a shit sandwich. Right? And this is the thing is that the maturity over the seven years of me being in this space has now had me very opposed to getting into tribalism. Right? So, so narratives. So narratives in regards to this coin is better than this or this, this, exactly. nar- this narrative is better than this one. Exactly. So my whole fixation and obsession is customer experience. Right? So in order for me to give a reliable customer experience, I just want good plumbing. And that's all of these blockchains. They're all plumbing systems. So one person might be like uh, Luigi. Luigi is the best plumber. Someone else is like Mario. Mario. Mario is the best plumber. The best plumber is one that when I want to build my house, I call him. He comes in and installs the system. And I never fucking phone him again. Right? That's the best plumber. But Ethereum, you can't do that. Also, as well, in regards to what you just said there, for crypto to be mass adopted, people shouldn't even know that they have to go onto the crypto network to be on the crypto network. Do you know what I mean? So that, so they can have their transaction processed on the crypto network. They can, they can go on via an on ramp in the, in the, in the, in the real world that we exist in right now onto the crypto network and back off before they even know it's happened. So they don't even know it's been processed on the power. Yeah, absolutely. And we're doing that today. Before you and I jumped on this uh, podcast, neither one of us checked if TCP IP is still working. Right? We, we, jumped, we just jumped on the podcast, right? I can jump on my laptop. You might have jumped on the PC. You could have jumped on a mobile device. You can just buy different ways of communicating with this protocol, but it's one fucking protocol, right? And so this wet dream of multi-chain environment, right? Uh, DeFi, this chain connecting with this chain, that chain connecting with that chain. It, we don't do that today with the internet, right? In order to have a functional uh, internet, we need everything communicating through one standard, one place. Why is that important? It's important because you shouldn't need to have expertise of the underlying internet infrastructure. But if you want to create a website that needs to communicate with a community, right? You need to know that that shit's going to work. And I just need to build on something that everyone else can communicate with, right? Because there's standards, right? So, and that allows you to speed build as an entrepreneur. What, what we're doing in the, in the blockchain space is we're stacking all of these bullshit protocols on top of each other. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to build in this, you've got to factor in now that you are now a plumber by default, as well as an entrepreneur trying to forecast a business with nothing to do with the plumbing. Uh, it's, it's retarded. It's absolutely fucking retarded. But it, they're great at marketing. They don't have regulatory oversight. And they can get away with it right now. What in, in regards to the systems that are currently available, the Bitcoins, Ethereum's, the Solanas, all that, all that kind of stuff. What is the best system that we currently have to build on top of? Uh, Bitcoin by the original design. So as Bitcoin was uh, written with white paper way back uh, over about twelve years ago now, that design from day one 
could have scaled to handle visa-level transactions. But the philosophical understanding of those nine pages of writing by Satoshi Nakamoto split opinion. You've got to consider the Bitcoin white paper like a Bible. Many people interpret religious texts differently. Right? And that's what happened in this technocracy is people interpreted Satoshi's writing differently. Right? And they made their own mythical understanding of what Satoshi was, was building. So that mythical understanding became, this is digital gold, hodl, don't spend, and buy, 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 buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the dip. If I'm a, say I'm a hedge fund trader, if I want to, say, gamify my liquidity network, which is retail investor, telling you that this is gold, Right? and fixating it to something that you know has a stable store of value. Psychologically manipulating you to never sell. When the market structure breaks, I manipulate you to buy the dips. So I've got liquidity to be exit in my position. Because because I just want the audience to understand this, that when, when the retail investor is buying Bitcoin on, on the dip in the narrative that Michael's saying, he is giving the, the person with the higher position that's got to get rid of all their off, their off their books at the corporate level, he's giving them, we're giving them the liquidity to be able to, for them to be able to exit their positions, is essentially what you're saying. So it's, it's a narrative that is quite insidious because it's, the, it's fueled by saying we're creating technology that's going to destroy the banks, uh, destroy the governments, we're going to exist outside. Um, it's going to save humanity, yada, yada, yada. But that's not really what's going on. Instead, all of the issues that we took with the banking system that we thought Bitcoin could resolve, we've amplified them exponentially. Going back to the analogy at the beginning where I said we've got 190 different ways of communicating value through government fiat currencies today. Right? Uh, in the crypto space, how many coins do we have? Like if these are all to be monetary system, right? Exactly. So how many mother tongues do we now have? It's, it's insane. Uh, so that is the, that is the issue. Like we, we, where it's a very immature space, very immature understanding, not good economic societal understanding. Um, so the, going back to your question, the plumbing system that wins is the one that is legally and lawfully compliant that hasn't infringed on the Howey test uh, that would then make it a security. So the Howey test is a series of questions um, for any asset, it's not exclusive to crypto, to determine if that asset falls within the framework of security laws uh, by the SEC. Okay? The Howey test is something you want to fail in crypto. The in 2014, uh, I forget the individual's name, but he's now the chairman of the SEC. He done, uh, I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, from 2014, said that the Ethereum passes the Howey test. Right? You don't want to pass the Howey test, meaning Ethereum, because it was introduced as an ICO, is a security. So once the inevitable, and I, and I hold me to this, make this the major part of the podcast. Once the inevitable happens that Ethereum falls outside of scope of regulation, and I reckon it's going happen in the next 12 to 18 months. It means Coinbase, Binance, Crypto.com, 
every crypto company you can imagine legally cannot touch Ethereum. And that is not even a factor in the fact that Ethereum can only do 2.1 million transactions a day. Ethereum gas fees are disgusting uh, and you can't have a metaverse activity uh, happening on, on Ethereum. Also, Ethereum, due to its limitations of only 2.1 million transactions, but you still got all of this energy uh, utilized to secure a very small amount of transactions. So the CO2 emissions of Ethereum transactions and NFTs on Ethereum are disgusting. It's the highest of pretty much, it's the highest of any blockchain uh, as a matter of fact. So, and, and this is the difference. So what I'm now doing is I've been speaking this way for years, right? Uh, and getting like a lot of backlash. This, this is why I wanted your, because because your your opinion is so different from the narrative that I've been guided through with the Michael Saylors, the Raul Powell's and all this stuff, which I'll also get on the podcast as well. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to get you on because like I've heard. Saylors, Saylors, full of shit. He has no idea what he's talking about. Right. Okay. Go, go, go into, go into that for me then. Tell me well, why is Michael full of shit? Because obviously Michael, Michael's got a hell of a narrative in the space, especially in Bitcoin. Yeah. Because it's a pumper. It's a pump and dumper. Um, so going back to saying the, the religion that they create, you don't sell. It, this is a digital gold. Hoddle, hoddle, hoddle. Buy the dip. He's, he's just regurgitating that narrative. It's not his narrative. He's just a puppet regurgitating that narrative. That narrative originates, ironically, from MasterCard through Digital Currency Group, who then bought up all the major companies in the early days. They manufactured that narrative. Barry Silver, Alan, uh, Alan Silver. These people manufactured that narrative. And Sailor's the latest puppet just spewing that narrative. So let me take him apart. Yeah, go, go for it. Uh, this, this excites me. Go on. So, uh, so far, I've been focused on Ethereum, 30 transactions a second. Bitcoin BTC can only do four transactions uh, a second. So Bitcoin can only process about 350,000 transactions a day. So the fact that Elon Musk saying, oh yeah, Tesla's going to accept payments. No, because the world can't utilize it without having these crazy fees. And how they manipulated that is Bitcoin, every single version, BTC, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV. They have the same amount of time to process transactions, 10 minute window. Consider that 10 minute window, a piece of A4 sheet of paper, right? So that's the ledger. In 10 minutes, you can write as much as you want to, to this piece of paper. The pen is what everyone speculates on is the token. That allows you to write to this ledger. So every one Bitcoin is comprised of 100 million bits. We call these Satoshis. It's the smallest unit in Bitcoin currency uh, accounting system. Okay. So BTC is actually comprised of 100 million bits. But consider that a pen. When you write to the Bitcoin ledger, BTC, you have to factor in, you can only touch that pen on the piece of paper three or four times a second. The whole world has to queue up to touch the paper three or four times a second. Now, just going back to just simple, real-world human beings, a piece of paper in front of you, and I've got three pens, okay? Uh, I've got one that basically the ink is all dried up, it's super clumped up, uh, it's a broken fountain pen. Every single time you go to use it, it's just got a splurge of ink. You have no precision, no accuracy. Okay? 
then I've got uh, another pen, which is a, a felt tip, right? So again, okay, I've got a decent degree uh, of precision, but I'm, I'm not really gonna design anything that, that reflects something like, say, Mona Lisa. And then you have uh, a biro, right? And that biro is fine, it's precise, and I can use every single bit of that ink. If humanity only had one pen for the rest of existence, which one of those three is going to be most useful to humanity? Right. Because you need to be able to use the ink. So what Michael Saylor is saying is this Cartier diamond encrusted pen with no fucking ink, right, is the one that the world needs. But if the world, if you've got, the going back to NFTs, if you've got a creative, right, who wants to have a shot at Mona Lisa, why are you dictating who can or can't pick up a pen? Everyone should have the ability, if it's truly distributed, decentralized, what they keep saying, it means that any human being on the planet should be able to pull up a chair to that table, pick up a pen and write on that ledger and read that ledger. Bitcoin doesn't fit that description because it artificially limits the amount of time you can pick up a pen. So if we talk about utility, velocity, um, and economic uh, might, Bitcoin can't do it. It literally can't do it. So all it can do is hoover up value that is only being driven to it through actors such as Michael Saylor, Elon Musk, etc., who are just regurgitating this religion as to why this has value. Because it is a religion. It's not backed up with any intrinsic facts. So now... Because I've been speaking this week, I've been quietly very confident. I've been knowing what I've been building. I've now built a whole token system on top of uh, Bitcoin SD that if when I do demos, I can do a demo to someone. Like, for instance, I can generate uh, 100,000 NFTs for $160. Right? And those NFTs are truly on-chain. And the CO2 cost uh, of, of that exercise is a few cents right? so my co2 cost is a few cents ethereum for that demo the co2 cost alone was six and a half thousand dollars that's just CO2. so when you then factor in the transaction fees on top which is tens of thousands of dollars uh, it just can't do it and the only thing businesses care about like if i'm pitching uh, an airline i'm saying listen all of your tickets should be nfts right then I need to be able to give them a, a reliable price. I need to then be able to say, this is the CO2 output of what it is that we're about to do, right? Needs to tick that box, otherwise it's not sustainable to them as a business. 100%. These are the legal implications of utilizing my, my, my technology, right? All the information is truly on-chain. It has zero dependencies to my business. So therefore, if my business goes under, you don't lose access to your NFTs. Your clients don't lose access to their NFTs. You have sovereign right over your property rights. These are the things that they care about. These other chains can't do that. So what the whole space is reliant upon is people like Michael Saylor misinforming people and saying, here's a Ferrari and not really, and the, relying on the fact that people don't have the expertise to realize that that Ferrari has a fucking Skoda engine in it. Right? You know how to look under the hood and really understand what's going on. So us now, fortunately, uh, obviously, it's taken us longer because of all the politics and the BS that's happened. 
Uh, but now, fortunately, uh, just put our head down over the last three years and building a financial ecosystem for the metaverse, um, I can actually deliver a Ferrari with a rip-roaring, glorious V12 engine in it. Okay? Uh, and the proof's in the pudding. You just do a demo and then say, beat it. And, and that's it. The, 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 the thing that I want the audience to understand is, am I right in thinking that Litecoin is just a, is, is a copy of Bitcoin's code and then changed a bit? Is that, is that, is, am I right in saying that? Yeah, so it just uh, uh, changed really the hashing algorithm um, from SHA-256 um, to its own variant. And it just made a couple of little economic changes. Even Ethereum itself is highly, highly, highly based upon Bitcoin code base. Um, so it's just really, you, you, you copy some code, make some very like quick adjustments. You call it something else, you brand it as something else. How many of these, so obviously like, and I just want to clarify this as well, like, that, that obviously Bit, Bitcoin, BTC, was forked and that created Bitcoin Cash and then Bitcoin Cash was forked and created uh, Bitcoin Satoshi Vision BSV, right? Well, the irony is um, the only Bitcoin SV is the original Bitcoin. Big BTC is a fork. Bitcoin Cash is a fork of the original protocol. So uh, Bitcoin SV is actually the only original Bitcoin. And also all of the IP and the patents um, that are owned by Satoshi Nakamura and his company, he's, he owns patents effectively pretty much. Every combination that you could possibly do in the chef as a kitchen in the crypto space, more than likely not infringe on this guy's patents. They just haven't been uh, legally enforcing their patents yet. I know for a fact Satoshi Nakamoto has a hundred patents on NFTs. So, so th- th- this is this is what I want. I'm glad you brought this up because obviously, look from from what I know from from your story, you believe that Satoshi Nakamoto, in your mind, is Craig Wright, the Australian Craig Wright, yeah, and Craig yeah. and Craig Wright has filed. Uh, legal documents claiming copyright of Bitcoin, the original Bitcoin, in the in in the British court system, right? Yeah, successfully, uh, successfully so as well. So, so when so, you when you say when you say he's successfully done it, and, and it's has he won the case now? Then, so there's a variety of different cases going on. Um, so you had the case with Kleiman, um, that was the biggest one. Um, like in the early days, this was like. The opposing side uh, was very committed that that was going to unravel that created as a fraud. And they were effectively going for 50% uh, of, of Craig's wealth. Uh, so it's big tens, tens, tens of billions, like 70 billion plus was, was in dispute. Um, uh, effectively, Kleiman is getting nigh on nothing. Um, and it was determined that there is no case there that supports that they should be getting a higher contribution to say that climate actually was involved to the degree which was insinuated in the Bitcoin project. Ultimately with Craig, there's not even a close second or a close third as to anyone that demonstrates his understanding uh, of, of Bitcoin. However, Craig is a very difficult character. Um, you've got to factor in that he's, he's very much on the spectrum. Um, he's, he's autistic, he's got Asperger's, um, and it, it, it comes out in, in, in everything. Uh, in all of his communications, it, it comes out. But if you know him and you understand him, uh, you don't obviously take as you don't take offense to it, not as much offense to it. You understand 
the most important thing is to judge someone by their their output. So after he's been studying his work, his papers, um, paying attention to the patents that they're that they're filing, uh, and also their business moves, uh, and being quite close uh, to what's going on in relation to their to their business moves, uh, and also the validity behind some of the bigger claims, right? Like um, the bigger claims around uh, regulation, law, compliance. Uh, as boring as these things are, uh, it's very important to be paying attention if you want to be playing in this space for, for any long period and degree of time. So the next big case that's going on is the COPA case, uh, where Jack Dorsey uh, is, is, is basically part of a group that want to protect the Bitcoin developers uh, from lawsuits. Now, if they didn't think Craig was Satoshi, would Jack Dorsey be involved in in this group putting up money to fight one guy? This this is what this is what worried me, right? See, I I I thought I thought I, I went along the Craig Wright narrative because obviously you you told me that that Craig Wright was Satoshi Nakamoto, so I went down the rabbit hole, and there's a lot of conflicting opinions on that. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, and then, obviously, like when Jack Dorsey put together a series of 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 of, of uh, like a like a like a fund together to defend Bitcoin, I was like, well, if 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 it is the if it is the true narrative, why does it need to be defended by so much so much cash? I, I was a little bit little bit concerned by that, but I want to ask you. I suppose my, my... the the developers are shit scared, and they're the ones who are on the hook uh, for the lawsuits that are coming because they've been they've taken they've taken somebody's ip and manipulated misrepresented uh his his ip and not paid any degree of remuneration or royalty right it's just that's that's what it's really all about Uh, but it crushes the narrative it crushes their religion any has has that got anything to do then with Jack Dorsey stepping down from CEO of Twitter? I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I think there's a variety of reasons as to what's going on. It's definitely clear that his focus uh, is now on block. He's converted Square to block, so he's definitely very gun ho on on Bitcoin. Uh, but I just think he's the latest puppet falling in line um, in in promoting the religion. In, in regards to Craig, right? Craig Wright, obviously. The the um the first day that he says to you, "I'm Satoshi Nakamoto." What 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 was going through your head? Like what? Did- I was skeptical as fuck. I I I'd done so much analysis on this. I even had uh, a behavioral uh, expert analyze videos on him to see if he was lying or not uh, in the early days. I I. I I don't take things lightly, um, but ultimately, you have to understand my position now, and because of my understanding of how I can analyze the technology myself and how I'm building on it myself, and just using my own hands, is I look at when people say, "Oh, like, the, why is this about Craig? This is about Craig." You have to factor in. I see Craig now as Mario. That's it, right? He's just he's just he's just the first plumber. He's the, he's the king plumber, right? But ultimately, I'm just interested in the plumbing system. So what I'm not going to do is fall into my own religion and now make Satoshi Nakamoto like Jesus of my religion. I'm not interested in that. Yo, bro, you're Mario, right? 
So as long as we build, then Mario doesn't need to keep coming out and trying to save Princess Peach. I'm not interested in that, right? But I'm not going to disregard the fact that this guy actually is the inventor of this. Now, there's definitely probably people is that has helped him. I have questions around the mathematics. I've questioned him that on my first podcast uh, with him. And I don't believe Craig on the math because uh, there's certain things that I've looked into um, that I find very interesting in relation to mathematics and Bitcoin. And Craig admitted on my podcast, I think it's the first one we've done between 40 and 50 minutes, that he's doing a PhD to actually further understand the mathematics and Bitcoin. Right? It's like I'm the CEO of Bitstocks, we're creating gravity, but that doesn't mean anything without my CTO, right? He builds it. But I am I am the vision, I'm the architect, I'm the one who's defining the roadmap, it's my shit. But it doesn't mean anything. So there's a degree, there's a degree of that. But once you understand Craig and hear him talk about law, hearing him talk about history, uh, archaeology, um, once you hear him talk about all of these other things, you understand holistically how rounded he is as an intellectual. And Bitcoin isn't predominantly computer science. Bitcoin is predominantly economics and law. And then he put together this computer science pieces, which is a smaller component in order to have something that has legal rounding. This is why he's so fucking unpopular at a high level. Because going back to one of the first things I said, I said what turned me on with Bitcoin, I said it has the opportunity to make humanity honest. Look at Craig as an autistic individual when he speaks about honesty and how much he actually fucking means it. Like he's fixated with it and he's, he, he cannot unhinge himself, even to his own detriment. He cannot unhinge himself. But he's got an economic war chest and that autistic commitment to fight and fight and fight. And I don't agree with how he fights. Again, this is one of the traits of like his, his persona where it's playing against him. Right? But do not confuse this man's commitment to making humanity honest. Um, and, and that's what's going on. So if you've got a guy like that that's got technology that's already like out there in the mainstream at this level, that there's no reason why government shouldn't be implemented. Central bank digital currencies should be issued on Bitcoin. Voting systems, we should be talking about again, issued uh, on Bitcoin. We now no longer have the voting fraud scenarios and allegations with Biden and Trump. Right? I can see what the ingredient and components are in a Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna vaccine, right? Because we've got supply chain management because we're digitally tagging everything. And then the composition of, of, of everything that I'm interacting with. Uh, and we can hold human beings and big businesses accountable for their actions because all their actions are on this time-stamping ledger that gives the X mark the spot if there's corporate um, fraud, if there is uh, misuse uh, and interruption of supply chain, you know, where it happened and when it happened, humanity becomes honest by default. Do you, um, do you, do you really think though that they're, they're going to let that amount of honesty be implemented at scale? Evidently, it's been a struggle. And that's the crypto space. And, that, and that's what underpins all the tribalism. You have those who are enlightened that actually do understand what the hell's going on and fighting for the good team. Um, and then you've got the other side, which is on a smaller percentage, malicious, but on a wider percentage, ignorant, right? And when it's when there's so much money there, yo, ignorance pays, ignorance pays. But, right? but, but what happens to your business then if Craig is lying? 
Well, when I can do a demo of my token technology that Solana, Ethereum, Cardano, Avalanche combined could not do, the proof's in the pudding. It's no longer a conversation about Craig anymore. It's just, here's my technology. Let me create a thousand, uh, like 10,000 NFTs in front of you. Here's the cost of creation. Here's the CO2 cost uh, in, in emissions. Here's all the files uh, on chain. There are zero dependencies. There is no conversation about Craig. I'm not going into a boardroom setting saying, listen, yo, I know Satoshi Nakamoto. That's actually a disadvantage for me. It's like, it's the, it's the Donald Trump effect. Yeah, it undermines, it undermines the work that you've done on the tech behind it. So what did I do as an entrepreneur? Is look, I clearly um, uh, advocate and support Craig as the inventor and founder of Bitcoin. I have a great degree of respect and adulation for the guy. I'm a fucking idiot. So I'm aware of the issues that he brings in terms of branding. So I thought the most important thing that I can do is I'm going to define my own brand that can exist outside of the reliance on Bitcoin and Craig. And that's why, and that's why I built Gravity. Because the whole point about gravity is my execution is to make Bitcoin what it is, plumbing. So I want to make I want to make Bitcoin invisible anyway. Yeah, you 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 you're, you're not you're not trying you're trying to take you're tr- you're trying to create that the the, uh, the gravity is the on ramp the on ramps people onto Bitcoin without them even knowing they've really gone onto Bitcoin. Absolutely, because people want to go there, they want to create NFT, they want to get involved in the metaverse, they want to interact with this environment, that environment. You, you just want to earn in new ways, um, and you don't care about how it is they earn, especially if I've got a the banking side of it, once we've got uh, it released at scale, where you've got the micropayments, but you've got it in fiat currency, right? So if I tokenize GBP, USD, and Euro with Bitcoin technology, because using those Satoshis with precision, right? Then I can take one penny, break it down to the eighth decimal place and have true micropayments. Blockchain systems today can't do micropayments. A micropayment is a subsent payment. If the fees on Binance chain are 41 cents, if the fees on Ethereum are $100, you can't do a micropayment, right? Bitcoin SV, I can do micropayments. So I can take a penny and just quantize it. And now what can I do going back to time? I can price time more accurately. So we can now start thinking about computation differently. Now I can charge for a clock cycle. Like it, the whole world freaking changes. It's a very different way of looking at it. But it should just be what it is, invisible, plumbing. And what I had to do is fight through the swamp of sludge of bad branding with BSV um, and establish my own and business execution for it to stand on its own. Uh, but I don't mean I don't think BSV is going to be the only one that stands and the only ones that have true economic value uh, as the years push on. Well, out, out, out of all cryptocurrencies? Absolutely. There's going to be, there's going to be, uh, this is like the Highlander. Um, so for those that are old enough, uh, there's a series called the Highlander, uh, and they can only be one, right? So Highlander goes around, he cuts off the head of another Highlander and absorbs the energy. This is going to be the same. They can only be one, just like you've got the TCP IP protocol today is one. Uh, they can only be one and it's just a factor of time. So, so what, what, so for some of us, obviously let's just talk about. The fact that I've got Bitcoin, I've got Ethereum, I've got Cardano, I've got some Polkadot, I've got some some lots of other lots of other protocols, lots of other investments in this space. So, so everything that I've got, I should literally get rid of. 
I'm not going to tell anyone when to sell. Uh, one thing of what I will say, though, is pay attention to how the SEC is evolving and how their views on what is within the Howie test scope and what's outside, and then run it against your portfolio. And then determine a ballpark timeframe as to when you think the SEC is going to make their announcements and when it's going to impact you. Because you still want to uh, make money in a casino, but just appreciate it's a casino. And then when you know that the casino is going to shut down, that's what is going to determine how well you do or not. Right? So what you're, tell, what you're telling me then is just analyze the SEC's um, constraints around how they're defining all these assets and then allocate accordingly to how they're defining the assets at the time. So when they start looking at defining Bitcoin as a security, that's when you exit all positions. Musical chairs, uh, just make sure that you've got a seat when the music stops. Right. And... and, and in, in, in the essence of time frames where you think that all this goes away in terms of there's one left, there's one left, what time frame do you reckon we're looking at? Well, I wonder if I'm in protocol. So right now I can say very confidently in a, in a regulation exorcism, um, the coins that will still be there will be BTC, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV um, due to the way that they'll just organically mined into existence. Um, that's the huge factor. They were organically mined into existence. There was no pre-token offering. They were organically mined into existence. Right. So um, they can't be classed. They can't be classed as easily as a security because they weren't sold at the start. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because we had the ICO game um, was on forums before it hit exchanges, um, and it was just pre-token offerings. Um, so there's loads of all the early stuff. It was all pre-token offerings. Uh, done through the Bitcoin talk forums uh, and, and forums. Then it hit like markets and we built markets uh, and created a more developed thing called ICOs. Um, you're very, like if, if Bitcoin passes the Howey test, remember you want to fail the Howey test, it's all over, but it's not. And the same guy who's saying Ethereum passes also stipulates that Bitcoin fails. Right, okay, um, okay, okay. So, so Bitcoin, Bitcoin hat, Bitcoin as BTC. BTC, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV. Um, they're not under the same hot water from a regulatory standpoint uh, and on the scope of the SEC from a regulatory standpoint. If they did do that, it, it's game over for everyone. Right. And, that, and, that, and that's when the NFT space, you believe, pivots then onto BSV? Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't need to happen uh, overnight. We're definitely going to have our big impact to start aiding that. And also what we're working on as well is a way to communicate with Ethereum. So when the event inevitable happens, I want to offer everyone a life raft. Yeah, so they um, can pull all their projects uh, as a straight transfer. Yeah, you pull over, even businesses. I want to help them retalk. Um, this is what I mean. I'm so not into this whole tribalism BS. Um, there are businesses out there who built on Ethereum they've got great businesses. But when this stuff happens, they're going to need new plumbing. And me and my team, uh, we want to be people offering them solutions to keep their businesses running and even make them better and make them more lucrative by offering them a good plumbing system um, it's inevitable so it's just a question as to when uh, these things happen but it's heating up because central bank digital currencies are heating up and that puts pressure on the regulators yeah because once once the banks 
have these central currencies themselves they'll have to they'll they'll have to have regulation and then that'll bring they'll they'll have to reach out into the crypto market and regulate everything in the crypto market as well so the sooner so the sooner regulation starts happening the sooner all these projects are going to get shut down so that's what people need to pay attention to pay attention to central bank digital currency reports and there's a lot going on at the moment so pay attention to that pay attention to what the sec uh is is doing um and the likelihood of 90 plus percent of your portfolio falling outside the scope of regulation is likely. Um, it doesn't mean that the coins disappear overnight. It means it goes to the dark net. It goes to the black market, right? Which then means if you try to send that coin to gravity and liquidate it to go and buy a pair of shoes at Louis Vuitton, you're fucked. Uh, but what we, we wouldn't even accept it. So the, the, that's what's going to happen. So all your favorite companies, even Binance, if they want to continue to exist, what, what, what about these big corporates, though, that are buying Bitcoin and putting it on their balance sheet? Well, they can't do that in large uh, scale and with low friction, uh, which is why the ETFs and all of these products are still getting uh, failed. Because you've got so much price manipulation, you can't actually have these products approved when you've got Tether in the system artificially pumping and manipulating uh, the price. So this, Wall Street has been getting involved more aggressively. Um, but it's not fluid um, because the right structured products aren't able to be passed because they can't get over this SEC hurdle. Um, and they're just going to get burnt, ultimately, do have exposures. Is, is Tether, the narrative with Tether is that it's obviously like a, a really big Ponzi scheme and that there's, there's lots of... Because Tether's narrative was the fact that a, a dollar on Tether's were, was backed by a dollar in real life. But that but you're saying that that narrative is comp- it's bullshit. They've never been audited. Uh, and what they have also admitted to is that tethers are not backed one-to-one with dollar. They're backed one-to-one with assets. Um, and those assets are, can be corporate debt and also the underlying thing that they acquire, which is Bitcoin. So the, they are backing tether with Bitcoin and corporate debt. So this is why there was a lot of uh, FUD um, fear, uncertainty, and doubt around uh, the Evergreen crisis, uh, and it's highly, uh, yeah. it was highly speculated uh, that Tether's got corporate debt exposure with Evergrande, um, and I think that's that's uh, that's not a far fetched thing uh, to uh, to to assume. But when that Tether can't be audited and hasn't been audited, it keeps on skirting uh, the right to be audited it's still allowing the market to be propped up. There's not a lot of real dollars in, in, in the crypto space. Uh, if you just look at CoinMarketCap and you do the checkup by volume, Tether is not only at the top, it is at the top by a disgusting margin in terms of uh, daily, daily, uh, daily volumes. So if that disappears, which is inevitable because it, it is what it is, the unlicensed bank effectively, uh, just printing whatever they want, whenever they want, um, that liquidity disappears. So we, we are inevitably going to go through a cleanse. Inevitably. I know people get triggered when they hear people speak. Now, I, lo- I love listening to this because I need to, I need, I need to hear the other side of the narrative. And I think everyone else does. Like we, we, everyone who's in the crypto space is always, is always like sunshine and rainbows. But people need to understand that there is going to be a time. And I, I've understood this for a long time. Someone's, someone's going, someone's going to shut the house down. And you've got to kind of have a half a clue which way the house is going to get shut. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So that, that's that's what my whole play has been around that. Um, um, I'm early uh, in some regards. It's great uh, in terms of the tech I have, but in other regards, in terms of like my economic uh, earnings over the last say three years, been worse than been in the, uh, since I've been in the crypto space, quite frankly. Uh, because I, I'm just building, 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 building uh, in the right way on the basis of this understanding of inevitability. Uh, but legal wheels do turn slowly. Right? But, I but you've got the time and the fortitude to do that because obviously you made a lot of money out of Bitcoin early doors and you had the tech companies that were turning over high cash flow in early doors as well. So. You have now the time, you, because you've banked so much cash, you've got enough cash runway to be able to build what you actually truly want to build while you're waiting for all this other stuff to happen. So, yeah, that's, that's, been, my, that's been my big play. Uh, so, time will tell uh, as to whether or not it was the right approach or not. But I, the way I just see the writings on the wall is just inevitable. Just pay attention to what SEC is saying, pay attention to what central uh, digital bank currency initiatives are doing. Um, and then look at your portfolio and be like, oh shit, Solana was ICO, or this was ICO, or this was a, a, an offering of this way, that way. Then you look at Solana as a technology, which JP Morgan wrote an article two weeks ago saying that Solana is going to become Wall Street's darling uh, and, and be the Ethereum crusher. And then I think two days later, the network went down again for the fourth time and it was down for three days. Right? And everyone's transactions were failing. But don't worry because the CEO just reboots the server and he gets it running again. So it's like, there's so much BS in, in, in the space, but Solana's a project is, is in the top five. Yeah, I think, I think, that's, I, think that, I think the key thing I've learned there is anything that's released as an ICO is going to be classed as a security in, in the fullness of time. Highly, highly probable. So, so pay attention to the Ripple case. The Ripple case is shedding new light on Ethereum. Um, so the Ripple case actually might blow it all wide open for the whole rest of because uh, everyone thinks Ripple's going to get off is that true or is because there's some technicalities in that case in there I, I think it's an interesting one uh, if Ripple has a kind of uh, a different unique approach uh, as opposed to like say Ethereum they're not trying to do the same things uh, as there um, but ultimately it came into existence in, in, in the wrong way I, I, if they say it fails the Howey test uh, it sets a pretty dangerous precedent uh, for them because that's, it has to be a very rigid position. And because it has to be a very rigid position, I think the more likely scenario is as Ripple is pushing and pushing and pushing and trying to defend their case, it's actually probably educating the SEC is thinking, right, I think we've got Ethereum like wrong. We need to look at Ethereum again. I think that's a more likely scenario. Um, not that the SEC has like really properly come out and said Ethereum is not. There was one individual who stipulated that he thinks Ethereum is not uh, a security, uh, but that's not the official stance and position of the SEC. So I actually reckon the Ripple case is going to shed light uh, and reveal the shadows in Ethereum, and that's going to start collapsing. So if you if you were going to advise the audience then on where to go in terms of like if they want to get started in crypto and they want to obviously start off on in, on the right light not in terms of investments but in terms of like there's there's a lot of opportunities to develop businesses in the space to to create to create obviously all kinds of different NFTs NFTs are real uh, NFTs will be here even after the uh, the great cleanse um, NFTs are a real genuine way of gamifying, interacting, and monetizing uh, communities. And the metaverse, uh, because of NFTs, is now actually a genuine real proposition. We've always had the metaverse. 
we've had a metaverse for a long time. I won't say always, but we've had a metaverse for a long time. Like Fortnite is a metaverse. Um, but when you add NFTs into that environment, and then you can take those NFTs into the other environments seamlessly, then that is a new world. Uh, and that's a new way of earning. So that's very real. That's where people need to be focusing their attention on. And then you have to think about utility. What am I going to add on here in terms of utility? The thing about NFTs that really excites me about the space is it gives anyone with a bit of creativity the ability to 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 mint something that they can get 10% royalties for for the rest of their time. And that's going to change the lives of a lot of creators. And every, every I think... Sorry, on, 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 on that. Uh, so on OpenSea, because again, Ethereum limitations, you can only add one person, right? Uh, you can add one collaborator to, to your NFT. Uh, what we're aiming with with gravity is we're, we're really good at the moment at three. Uh, but what we're aiming at is to have about 50 collaborators that you can add to a smart contract. And that's the difference. You can add a whole wave of people. Um, you're saying that they're the people that get a clip of the royalty. So if one person drops off dead, then the royalty fees get paid out to the person in perpetuity as well, whoever's on that list. You could just add more people. Like the payments will always get paid out to that wallet address. Uh, and even that, like we're using handles. It's just like adding someone's Instagram handle uh, to your smart contract. But the important thing is to add volume, right? Because uh, I can't, I don't know what, how many people, I don't know what people want to do. They might create a song. There might be 20 people that were involved in composing that song, right? Um, and they want to add all the individuals based on the percentage they think that they should be getting. Um, so as, as, if you have bandwidth, then you can give choice. Uh, and people then have dexterity as to how to ex- exercise that that choice. And will all and will all the like ERC? Um, oh, I can't remember what the what the token name is, but ERC the the, N, the, N, the NFTs that are minted on Ethereum will they all be able to be ported over onto onto these other blockchains if Ethereum ever went down that way where it where it's where it's classed as a security? Yeah, yeah. Um, how it's done. Uh, is a question mark uh, like in a non-cumbersome way is a challenge uh, so what you really need is a transpiler that just automatically scrapes the metadata burns the ethereum token and remints on a new blockchain uh, and embeds that token uh, data in a new blockchain that's a uh, relatively is a challenge but it's a feasible challenge uh, and that's one that my team's already looking into um, but i reckon that's at least six months away um so I think what people would need to realize is not to get blinded by uh, nerdy terms because all an NFT is, if you've got an image, the value is just say, okay, this, this image is, uh, is the value. So if you then say, I don't agree with keeping it on this plumbing system because of uh, the CO2 emissions, then you could just make a public statement about that and say, I'm now going to move this uh, asset to this, and I'm going to connect that moment in time. So as a multi-chain uh, environment, that makes sense. But you're not going back to that chain, just saying, just so you know, as a history in time, an event in time, I took that asset from here, and now that asset lives over here. But you need to then make the connection so the history because it still influences its value of creation, is reflected on the new chain. Yeah, because the, hist- the, the, the value of an NFT 
can can not just be in the actual image itself it can actually be in who's previously owned the image before you bought it or who owns that piece of content before you bought it as well so if logan paul's owned it at a period of time or gary vaynerchuk or someone someone who you, who's who's got a perceived value in the space a perceived value in the space um and that works for yeah that works that works for most items i guess apart from cars i never want to buy a car that a celebrity is owned, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but in regards to the current NFTs that are that are in the world, like the CryptoPunks, the World of Women, the um, the Bored Apes, all that stuff, do you see the do you see the value of that? Those what they what are classed as blue chips holding up as they currently are? Do you see them going further than what they are, or what, what's your what's your view? I have no idea. Uh, anyone that claims that that they do on art, which is something that's so arbitrary. Uh, no idea. What is important to maintain good value is the gamification of their community. So how committed are they to uh, evolving the concept? And I think the Board 8 Club is fucking brilliant. I think they're brilliant in, in, in what they're doing and how they're doing it. Uh, and it seems like they're very committed uh, to what it is that they're doing. And they're merging the digital experience with real life experiences which is why it's become a social flex. Um, I think that's genius. And that's nothing to do with Ethereum. It's the guys are genius, right? Um, so if, if, if projects like that, uh, with those kind of teams behind it, uh, who seem to be very committed to it, um, yeah, I, I, I do see those uh, sustaining. So, so, so essentially then, if, you, if, 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 you're, if you're someone who has a, a hell of a lot of, like, or some form of Bitcoin and Ethereum, You'd rather have it in a bored ape than have it in Bitcoin and Ethereum right now. It's a different value proposition, um, and it steps into a different world that is underpinned with crypto and crypto liquidity. So you have got to factor that in. A lot of it, it in like if the crypto market is tanking off twenty percent, thirty percent, people aren't going to be as flush in buying a bored ape, right? Because a lot of it is still tied into the culture. Of crypto um but the the projects that have say real genuine well thought out uh, partnerships agreements um the pot the projects that have agreements with being featured in the metaverse um and have different kind of applications like those projects and those ones that are executed like that um yeah those, those are the ones i'll say yeah those probably are going to be a better play because they exist outside of the, the things that the cryptos market can be exposed to because they can be retooled and still offer the same experience, right? So if they say, oh, this plumbing system is illegal now with Ethereum, and then you've got your board ape and everything on Ethereum, cool. Then as long as there's a good solution out there, convert it over to a legal platform, right? And they shouldn't lose their economic power uh, and their brand power because it's, 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 it's in the culture of the brand, right? So they just change their plumbing system. The thing, the thing that cause I, I, I have, a, I don't have a board eight, but I have a world of women. But the thing that I, the, the thing I liked about it, and the reason I bought it was because I thought, well, if I buy this this first ever women's NFT project, if women buy into this, like high level women that I thought would buy into it, would buy into it, which they have, then that gives me access for podcast guests for, for forever and a day because they've because I'm in this I'm in this rich women's club, right? 
So, uh, so I've got the 17th, 100th rarest one of the rich women's club right now, is what I have. And I thought, fuck, that's a fantastic way of getting podcast guests. I wish I'd got a bored ape because that's a great way of getting podcast guests. And, and, I, and I wish I'd had a crypto punk because I just think to myself, I, I would ra- personally for me, where I'm sitting right now, I'd rather have a bored ape than Bitcoin and Ethereum because of the access that I get to the people. I want to be at the party with these people because then I get to have the conversations and the conversations is where my value lies. 100%, 100% bro. And that's it. That's, that's how it's going to evolve because that's, that's utility. That's like you're able to just get access, right? And that's going to keep on growing and keep on growing and keep on growing and it's more and more and more people just need to get access. That's utility. My, big, my biggest mistake, I've made, two, I've, I've made two epic mistakes in crypto. The first one was selling a mutant ape. <laughs> Fuck it out. <laughs> a mutant ape. I bought it for four Ethereum. I sold it for like five Ethereum. I was, I'm, I'm off my tits. Crazy. Right. And then, and then I saw, I, I had two world of women and I, I sold the least rarest one. But, um, and, and, and my third, and my third mistake was not by I bought the wrong world of women NFT that I thought was in the royalty club, but missed out on one variation of the of the of the of the narrative that was needed. So so I bought the wrong one. So so, so there's a few mistakes there. But like if you if you were going to give some people like if you, if you if you were obviously leaving the, leaving the leaving the planet tomorrow, but obviously we're going to drop some wisdom, some pearls of wisdom on the audience right now as a as a parting gift that could that will take them and elevate them in their lives, what would you say? Well, I know there's been a kind of a theme of time uh, with what I've been saying. Uh, my favorite quote is by Thoth, uh, the Atlantean, uh, so keeper of the Akashic Record, which is actually my inspiration for how I understand Bitcoin. Um, so I say it's for people to understand that time changes not but all things change in time. And time is the force that holds events separate, each in their own proper place. And you move through time as you move from one event to another. That is kind of like my mantra in, in life. Uh, nah, see, I actually recite, I'm, I'm a student of the tablets. So I recite this stuff quite that because I, because I imagine I imagine from from I love that I love that quote by the way but and I imagine that you have evolved massively from from how you're brought up in I think you're brought up in yeah yeah from where you've come from and the culture that you've come from and and obviously like the, you might have been involved or, or around some rowdy lot when you were younger but you've had to evolve and elevate through this Bitcoin journey through this crypto journey through everything like that I think that's that's a credit to you because I because I, I know those areas well myself, so I just want to say, like, mate, honestly, what you've achieved and 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 the abundance you've achieved in your life on the back of learning and educating yourself with with within cryptocurrency is is exemplary, mate. So, hats off Thank to you me. for that, man. I really pre- I really appreciate your time today, guys. Do me a favor. I'll I'll I'll, I'll link Michael's Instagram. Give him give him a follow on Instagram. He's a wise guy. He's always putting out ep- epic content. Um, he's got some wicked mates as well in like Yanni and all that that that, that do some epic shit in the UK and around the world. Um, so yeah, just 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 do us a solid favor. Message me. Message Michael. Let us know what you thought of the podcast and everything like that. 
like subscribe share it with your friends this is a bit more of the technicalities behind the space that i wanted to get out and michael's a wizard with it so i just want to say again much love bro i appreciate it man you're a legend thank you very much legend brother don't forget to subscribe to the frankie lee podcast